on mute when you press the button <laughs> sorry I'm trying to figure out how to unmute myself <laughs> but it's what do you bring to the table this your girl sylvia she her and hers and i'm tori and we got a good one for you today I, i'm tori she sorry. her and hers uh we got ourselves a special guest today for today's episode i'm gonna let sylvia take the mic and introduce and we're just gonna jump in and, and get this party started so go yes. ahead Syl. So so we got uh, my friend, Stefan, and also soon to be uh, family, hopefully very soon. I don't know. I don't want to be putting nobody on the spot, but, you know, it is what it is. But he's going to, um, I, I invited him, one, because I wanted a different perspective from a different coast, not just our West Coast over here. He comes from uh, New York, New York. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, say a little bit about yourself, Stefan. So, Sylvia, so glad to be on the podcast. I, um, you know, I listen to you guys, and uh, you got some really topical subjects that you've been talking about. And I'm glad that you asked me to be on this particular podcast because uh, the current situation of what's been going on has really affected me. So, for your listeners, uh, my name is Stefan. I'm originally from New York, moved out here about three years ago. And uh, love California, love the weather. But since 55 years of my life in New York City, have two grown children, and uh, had some had a measure of success in life. And I and I say a measure of success. If you look at my resume, it would be success. But for me, I haven't really accomplished the things I really want to accomplish. Right. And so. Well, you can scratch this off your bucket list. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. You know, I'm, that, that, you count that as a success. That's a you success. You have now been on What Do You Bring to the Table podcast. There you go. So there, there you, there go. you go. So, um, you know, but what's going on right now is really, I'll, I'll be honest with you, for two days, I just was kind of a little depressed. And I'm not a depressed person by nature. You know, I was just sitting here and I'm like, I'm just frustrated. I'm like, I'm, I'm glad to see the protests going on. But... So this, this, I'm like, this has got to stop. Like, I've been living with this my whole life, you know? And, and it's funny, as we were talking about it before, for the most part, I would say 95 of my experiences have been pleasant with the police department. Um, you know, I was, raised in, I was raised in Brooklyn, went out to the suburbs, went to high school out there, went to college out there, you know, played football, um, I'm what they call, for lack of a better word, I'm your nice black neighbor that lives in your neighborhood. And you go, oh, yeah, I know Steph. He's down the corner. He's a good guy. Right? Yeah. Um, I wasn't raised in the hood. I don't know all that stuff. You know, I don't live that life. I only know that from television. My father and mother did a good job of keeping me away from that. But I do recognize I'm still a black man. Right? Um, 
the first time I encountered racism was at the job. You know, neighborhood I grew up was a mixed neighborhood. Everybody was same socioeconomic, you know, position. I didn't know, but then I went to work, and then I realized, ooh, okay, there's a difference here. There's a difference. See, and I was talking about this la- uh, on our last podcast. The same is living in the neighborhood that we came from, with mixed with uh, brown and black. You didn't. It, you didn't know. I mean, you had no idea until you were until I moved. You know, to go to school, predominantly white school, and then that's when it was. Now you knew a difference. There was something. Right. It, it, a veil was lifted, and you're like, "What? This is how other people live? What? Clean street? Yeah. What's going yeah. on?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we lived in a nice neighborhood, but I'll never forget when somebody one time Sylvia called me. You're the whitest black guy I know. What? So what, is, what does that mean? Was like, that a compliment? That? I mean, I- and, and in their mind, it was a compliment, right? Because. It told me that their portrayal of what black people was was from the television. It wasn't from really them living in a neighborhood with them, right? And now this was somebody I work with, and they used to say, "Oh yeah, you." I, I would hear this all the time. You're you're one of the good guys. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. well I'm still black. I mean, what is what is what is that? Like I'm one of like. But then I understand what their perception was. Their perception was what it was on TV. Right. And so it's interesting. My neighborhood was so integrated that many years later, people who worked for me, who came from that neighborhood years later, we all said that we're glad that we lived there because it gave us a good sense of what the world was like. Right. Instead of being I know friends of mine that were in predominantly black neighborhoods and they feared white people. Where for me, I didn't. I just thought we were all the same. Some were good people, some were assholes. Right, right. We had Latinos there. We, you know, we had uh, we had a Puerto Rican family lived next door to us, and Irish people lived across the street. So it was a really mixed neighborhood. And I'll forget a guy I worked with one time. He says to me, "You know, so and so is is racist." I said, "No, he just don't like you." <laughs> and he said, well, what, "What what do you mean by that?" I go, "Oh, he says, well, he says, well." He always tell. I said, well, he's almost like Howard Stern. He tells jokes about everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. I said, it doesn't matter what color you are. And he said, well, how do you know he's not racist? I said, because me and his family, me and my family were in his house on Sunday swimming in his pool and eating his food. So you can't be racist if you invite somebody to your house, right? And especially and to like, swim in the pool. Yes, exactly. So, but his perspective was if somebody, if a white person didn't like him, it was because of his color. He just didn't like him because they just didn't like him. So right. I had a different perspective when it came to that. Um, but I always remember, you know, I remember that no matter what, I'm black. And a lot of the things that we've been, that's been going on in the world, and I was telling you guys about the experience of some of the police officers, many of my friends are cops. Um, we've talked about this. At one time with one of my jobs, I ran an agency, I ran a transit agency, and the police department reported to me. Um, so I understood what they were going through. The chief was a white guy. We used to laugh and joke. Um, so I understand. I see four points of view, you know, when it comes to police. But I know that everybody knows I'm not a good guy. And the first thing they see is this six foot five black man. Ooh, 
I don't know who he is, right? And so I got to always make sure that I disarm the police officer. Now, some people will say, well, why do you got to do that? Because it is what it is. I want to live, right? And so if we have a disagreement on the ticket, I go, okay, officer, you're in charge. I'll see you in court. Right? I'm not, I'm not going to fight over a ticket. Um, have I been handcuffed? Yeah, I have. I have because he wasn't sure. He felt uncomfortable. Is it a blow to my dignity? No, I didn't think it was. Long as I'm living, I'm good. Other people, they haven't had the same. And they've apologized to me. Mr. Montgomery, we're sorry. You know, we weren't sure, whatever the case may be. So um, I haven't had the same interaction with police. Not, like I said, 95% of my time has been good. When I was in New York, you know, what we're going through right but can now. I, can I ask sorry. a question, though? Sure. Um, it sounds like it's been good because you've made the effort to make it good. To, to, that you did everything in order to disarm, in order to make those exchanges, positive exchanges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. I have. Yeah, like for for example, you knew like before we were uh, recording, you talked about like you know there's a game that you have to play, and you realize that because you want to live. And I think the the frustrating thing from my perspective is, um, the white officer doesn't have to do the same thing, right? He doesn't have to check his bias. He doesn't have to check in with that feeling of fear he feels when he's approaching you. In fact, he, he implicitly is justified to have that fear because of the messaging and of what blackmail is by our white dominant culture, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and yes, he's had to do that. But in my view, it's better to live. And like we were talking about before, right? Yeah. So, you know, here's the thing. So, you know, like I was talking about the rage that black men have inside mm -hmm. them, right? right? So one, it goes back to our history of slavery, when you really look at it. So there's a movie called The Butler, and I think it's uh, Forrest Whitaker is in the movie. The scene opens up, and the white slave owner is raping the black female slave. After she, he gets done, because it's property back then, because they're done, he comes, she comes back to the field. The husband of the black woman who was raped has a certain look, and he's looking at the he's looking at the slave owner like any man would look at the slave owner. The slave owner doesn't say a word, puts a gun to his head, and blows his head off. Hmm. So the child sees that. Forrest Whitaker is the child, mm -hmm. and so that regulates his life for the rest of his life. That's why we have this rage. Similar things have been done to us as a people. Mm -hmm. When I was coming up, I knew I wasn't treated fairly. I knew that they, things were, you know, they would go after me for nonsense. Where my white counterparts, they did worse things, right? Um, so I understood that. It's a game. It really is a game. Mm -hmm. And you have to maneuver around the game. Now, Tori, you said it perfectly. Why should I have to do that, Right? But I have to do that, and it's 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 years and years of this 
things happen to us. Like, I don't know George Floyd, but I recognize I live here in Anaheim Hills up in California in a nice place. But I recognize that it could be me or my son in New York yeah. or my friends in Long Beach or my friends in Texas. It could be any one of us mm-hmm. if you get the right, if you get the wrong cop. Yeah. I'm not going to say the right cop, the wrong cop. I was speaking to a gentleman today who's a police officer, and he said to me, you know, Steph, what happens is when cops, when people become cops, a lot of them think they have to take on this alpha male profile. Mm-hmm. He says, and they're trying to prove things mm-hmm. to themselves and to the badge. Mm-hmm. He says, and that's why this situation, he said the guys who are alpha males who become cops, they don't usually have this problem. Mm-hmm. I said, really? He goes, no. He says, the guys who come on and, you know, he says, you know, there's a certain amount of taunting that goes on with every job. I said, really? He goes, yeah. And I, I really never thought about it from that perspective. Um, you know, I'm very sad at what, what's going on and it, it bothers me a great deal, you know, and I've been, you know, I'm, I'm part of 100 black men. And the premise of 100 Black Men is how we started was the whole idea of, you know, two women back in the 60s got in trouble and 100 Black Men got together and got them out of jail. Thus, the organization was started. Hmm. There's like 40 chapters throughout the world. And, uh, you know, we're working on some legislation and some other things that will that really will help us. You know, like there's a bill in, in actually in the state Senate right now that we're supporting. And uh, there's a congressman from Long Beach, Al Austin, that is really uh, trying to get it. So it's called AB 1196. And what it does is it prevents uh, police officers from applying uh, a knee to your neck. And that's for the state of California. So, you know, from my perspective, I see things being done. It's a little too late. It's a lot too late. Um, I wish things could change. Will I see things change in my lifetime? I don't think so. I think you'll see some changes. I think the changes are really with the younger generation. I think the generation that's behind me and coming up, I think those are the people that are really going to make the change. Um, right. And those are the ones that are you putting their bodies at risk in these protests. Yes. You know, the ones getting pepper sprayed. Yes. I mean, all, all, much, much love to those young folks. Yes, I got you know, much, much love, love to them. Yeah, because, you know, personally myself, as a man in my late 50s, I'm not going out there protesting. Um, I'm just not. Because, you right. know, I, I walk three blocks and I'll probably pass out from the heat. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm just being honest. You know, so, so, so for me, I got to use my wisdom, right? I got to use my wisdom and experience to change laws, to, to affect people behind the scenes. Because I realize that one of the things I've learned over the years is that's how things change. It's behind the right. scenes, you know, so. Right. Um, and I like that because here's the thing is they're opening up those doors for you to have those types of conversations and including opening up the doors to, you know, those that are uh, elected officials that represent our communities so that they can then begin to start pushing uh, against the system as well. So these protesters are, are you know, doing things to get attention for, you know, to the, to this, uh, I call it an epidemic, to this 
you know, issue and allowing other people to really start, you know, to really start talking about how are we going to change systems? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, Sylvia, because I think we've had four meetings in the last week. Um, I mean, we're really like 100 black men on Long Beach. We're really trying to really do, get out and, you know, really make some, because if, if people out there protested, the least we can do is make sure behind the scenes we're doing what we can, right? right? And so one of the things that I think, like one of the things I think is there's a short-term goal and a long-term goal, right? So the long-term goal is to change some of these laws, and, you know, protest in short term. But you know what I've been trying to tell people to do? And um, for many of your listeners, it may not be popular, but I, I just, it's one of those things I, the, the Senate has not cooperated for years with the House, right? And with some bills that wanted to get passed. So there are people in the Senate that need to be voted out, mm-hmm. right? Yes, I right? agree. There, there are people in the Senate that, Mitch McConnell is one of those people to me, right? That's correct. Right, there is there is a woman running against her, run against him, Amy, I can't, Think her last uh, Kobe, Kobe Char, I think. No, no, it's Amy Gathers. Look her up. She's a Kentucky. Okay. She's from Kentucky. Um, I sent her money, and the reason I sent her money is I want her to beat Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things we have to do is we have to. I can't affect the the outcome of the election in Kentucky, but I can with financial support. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yep. Right. So yep. that's what we have to be involved in. We have to target the people who are causing the problems. Right. And it's 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 not just the guy sitting in the White House. It's also the people in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And so people and I, I've heard people say, well, if I vote, what does it do? It does something. You know, I'm using the hashtag. A no vote is a vote for Trump. Yeah, 100%. Um, Amy McGrath. That's right. Amy, oh, McGrath. That's Amy right. McGrath. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. yeah well, no. I sent, I, her, so, I sent her money. Yeah. And and see, that's the thing that we could do because the 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 wealthy do that all the time, right? They got super PACs. They got PACs. They got, they'll send this over here. That's a lot of what happened um, after Obama was uh, elected. A lot of people think that this white supremacy thing just came up after Trump. No, it started right after Obama got elected. The white supremacists lost their fucking minds. And so they started organizing. And that's where the Tea Party movement came about. And so all those wealthy... Uh, racists start putting their money in, you know, sending to other states, sending uh, to super PACs in other states, organizing PACs in other states to inf- influence voters in states that they did not live in. So if they can do it, we can do it on a small scale. We can send 20 bucks here. We can send five bucks there. You know, why not? Right. And, and local too, like municipality elections, mayoral elections, city council elections, st- student government elections like it it's not just the presidency it's like you're saying it's the senators that have just been there the mitch mcconnell's you know the the lindsey grahams those are the people that you really need to affect and it's funny you say that tori because i read an article one night time that the night obama got elected when he was doing his inaugural balls there were people meeting 
to derail him that night. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Exactly. And I was like, whoa. So, you know. Well, that's where you hear Mitch McConnell say he's going to be a one-term president. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Because he knew what they were planning to do. And that's sometimes we got to think of the long-term effect. Sometimes, and I think it goes back to our history again. We haven't been able to be able to do a lot. So short-term things make us feel good. We sometimes don't want to wait, mm -hmm. but we got to wait. What's the long-term effect? Mm -hmm. Get Mitch McConnell out, right? Mitch McConnell is, is, is a detriment for blacks, white, green people, purple people. It don't <laughs> matter. You know, it's not just black people. He's just a problem for everybody. Yeah. But you notice he doesn't say anything. And if you look at his wealth, because I did a lot of research on him in the last couple of days, he's got a lot of wealth, got a lot of people backing him. Mm -hmm. right? So he's representing a lot of groups. If that's just one target, you're not going to change everything overnight, but you got to start. But once again, it goes back to education, right? If people are not educated, they don't know, they don't think. We don't have these conversations, right? Um, and I didn't come up with this. One of my buddies, we were talking, and he was like, you know how we can affect change? And I was like, that's a great idea. Yep. Yep. Well, and I, I think, you know, part of what I was uh, talking to other people about is, you know, what we've seen in this history is, you know, civil rights movement. Then there's a reset button, because I heard this on uh, uh, one of these um, Netflix which it, it it was my aha moment because after the civil rights movement, then what happens? Then all of a sudden mass incarceration. So there's a, another way of oppressing communities. So there's a reset button. So it seems like every time we move ahead, there's a reset button on how to continue to keep um, communities of color uh, under the thumb. And for me, it's exactly what you said. Uh, Mitch McConnell doesn't want anybody else to gain wealth you know he wants and all those cronies want the money for themselves whether it's democrat whether it's republican it's a system of how can i fleece america while we get you know all these folks and keep certain people happy you know the the one percenters happy um because because we we the wealth needs to remain within this one percent i agree with i sylvia i agree with you 100 percent but, you know, it's funny because I, I saw something on Facebook with some friends of mine and they were talking about Joe Biden just in general. Right. And they were saying that Joe Biden is not the answer. I, 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 I said to them, I called them because I didn't want to have the discussion. So if Joe Biden's not the answer. Who's the answer? I, I called. Right. Them right. Who's the answer? Right. He says, well, there's got to be another candidate. I said, but there is no other candidate. That's this is the reality. There is none right now. There, there is no. So. So, well, I'm not going to vote. So do you understand that you're not voting means you're voting for Trump? Right. He says, no, I don't understand. So I had to explain it to him. And he was like, I never thought of it like that. I said, that's why you got to get out and vote. Right. You got to vote. Right. I said, and it's, it's the funny thing here is, you know, you saw what happened in Georgia yesterday, right? You, you saw what mm -hmm. happened. The lines were mm -hmm. out the door. People waiting on line for mm -hmm. five, six hours to wait to vote in Georgia. Right. Here in California, to me, it's one of the easiest ways to vote. They send you the ballot in the mail weeks in advance. Mm -hmm. 
Same here in Oregon. So and Washington. Is, all you gotta do is sit there and fig, fill it out. Send it in. What's the big deal? And so voter suppression. <laughs> That's the big deal. It's voter suppression. But but sometimes but Sylvia, sometimes it's not just voter suppression. It's people I've talked to intelligent people say, I don't vote. Why not? Because it don't make no dif- it don't make no difference. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I listen. The electoral college, we all know what the purpose of that is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think we should get away with it. But that's a big issue than all of us, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not. But you gotta vote. You you gotta vote. You not sitting there not voting is like, well, whatever happens. But then you don't complain when things happen, right? Well, but you also look at, I don't know if it was in Georgia, North Carolina, we did a a story where then you had um, a a group, nonprofit group that went and collected on a bus, you know, on a bus, collected um, some folks to come and vote. And then you had them being turned away because according to the law, you all, and it was ridiculous, but. This is how these are the tactics that are being used on, you know, uh, people of color is, hey, you can't bus people into the pollings. They have to come on their own. And it's like there is no what are you what are you talking about? You can't bus people to the polling. They they ended up turning the older, you know, African-American folks back because they said, no, you this is this. You can't do this. So when we talk about and this is historic, when we talk about voter suppression, it's looking for ways to to tell you communities of color you're one with gerrymandering your votes your if your votes begin to affect change we're going to figure out a way on how to dilute that and i think that's where people become really frustrated because it's like we have a vote but when our voices are being diluted through the ways that you are moving lines and districts and and everything else and you're dividing communities of color in the you know 18th of a pie then guess what happens to our voice it it's really not heard and we're still under this uh white supremacist um system that we can't effectively participate even though you gave us the vote but our voices are being diluted as a collective as a collective of whether it's black community whether it's latino communities as a collective our voices are not being heard it's like saying i got some lemonade for you but all you taste is water okay okay and and i i don't disagree with that because i know it does happen i i know it does happen but i think from what i my perspective and from what i hear from people and some of the people I'm connected with, they just don't vote at all, right? I, I disagree with that. I say everybody needs to vote. Everybody needs to vote. and But we got to know what the laws are in your state, you know? It, it, so if somebody's turning you around, you better know, hell no, you ain't turning me around. Mm-hmm. Right. Hell no, mm-hmm. get your ass back in your car, Karen, mm-hmm. because I'm voting. I don't mm-hmm. care what you say. But because people don't know, then they just assume, oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I should have come by myself, you know. So we have to educate. We have to know if you're, you know, the fact that they're stripping people off of the registration to vote, you got to know if your name has been taken off because of whatever new, you know, law that they put in place. 
you you gotta you know you gotta make sure that your name is there that you have your correct address that you bring the right identification that you get the right identification you know these are the extra hoops that people of color have to go through in order to be able to vote and we yeah. and we have to know no and, and I, I i don't disagree it did so so the question it begs is okay so when we have these problems how do we address it how do we address those problems and i think that you know this new generation you know is really because they're not trying to be just um you know our generation just to go back in history a little bit our generation i'm a late baby boomer my father said go out and get a job i ended up getting a career but he didn't say go get a career he said go get a job mm -hmm. right baby the new millennials and the x and y and they, they go get a career they mapped yep. their career out, right? Yep. I just happened to have a good career, worked out well for me, made great money, but that's not, I went to get a job. Right. So I think that their thinking is a lot different. And once again, it goes back to, if you know better, guess what? You'll do, you do better. better. You do better. So I think that from that perspective, yes. Um, and the more education that a person has, you know, and that's what we've been talking about the 100. The more we educate people, here's another thing that I didn't know till recently. I thought that if you did not, um, if you have a felony, you once you served your probation, and, you couldn't vote. But recently, the law was changed here in California mm -hmm. where you could petition to vote. Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody, and I've talked to several people about this, and everybody thought the same way. I had to go back to them and say, listen, I learned some information that I didn't know. That a couple of years ago was voted in that you could actually petition to vote. So that's one of the things we're doing now is making sure that nice. people, people of color know, okay, you served your time. Now you can go back and vote. Mm -hmm. Because I've never mm -hmm. understood why if I served my time, I did my probation, I'm good. Why can't I vote no more? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it's a voice. And, right. and who, yes. who are the, who are the ones that are being incarcerated at higher numbers? Brown and black. Brown and black, exactly. So uh, again, we're drinking the water with the tinge of lemon. <laughs> that now you know, and and that those are the things that we have to pay attention to, because like you said, with education, we start. Education really does free somebody yes, it does. from poverty. Yes it, does. yes, it does. This poverty mentality of scrambling around, gathering the scraps. But education really does, it, it opens your brain to possibilities and to dreams and to going for those dreams. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think as we educate our kids, because I'm with you, my, my parents, they were ecstatic. They thought, you know, getting a high school diploma was right. like getting a doctorate degree. Right, right, you right. know, they were just excited to have, you know, you getting the high school diploma and right. yet nobody be as much as money as they spent, you know, at the school that they sent us to out of six kids, none of these six went to college out of six kids that they sent through that school. Not one of us went to college right after high school. It wasn't until I'm older realizing 
shit, I'm in a dead-end job. How I need right. to do something right. more right. Right. that then I said I need to go and investigate and figure out how, how are other people getting, you know, getting into college and doing it. So that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, and, you know, that we have to understand that, our education system, we think, oh yeah, this, this is great. Well, guess who's guess who's in charge of our educate our Department of Education? It's a white lady that does has no thought, feeling, concern for communities of color. No, no. And so, you know, when you when you vote, like as you were saying, you're also voting for Department of HUD, Department of Education. That, you know, all of these departments that affect our communities of color. Right. So voting to me is essential. I do, you too. Know? I appreciate it. Yeah, I know. And, that I, and, and we got to do a better job in how we educate people. Yes, yes. And so that's what we, so my short-term goal is really is to make sure everybody's educated on why they should vote. And that that's the short-term goal. And not, yeah. not just for this presidential election, for time to come that's correct yeah i i I think like what you're saying about uh biden too is um you know he's not my pick he wasn't my pick but i will vote for him and i also as we organize and as we come together we get to hold him to task right he worked he you know Hopefully he's elected. <laughs> he works for us, right? That's the thing. Is that's the education and knowledge spreading to folks is that the these people in these offices, they work for us, right? So we go and share the knowledge around like you're saying, the felony right felon the felon right to vote, right? You you serve your time, you petition, you can get your right to vote back, right? You go and you learn about um I remember in high school one of the you know, one of the few things I for fortunately learned in um, public education was voter pamphlet right that you look at that you look at who's supporting who who do, who are they getting money from right so spreading that knowledge and into our communities of why these things matter right and so voting and then saying okay we've now voted you in you work for us we we will tell you what we need and what we want and how we need it right so to me that's what we have to do with biden right you're not going to you're not going to get a pass biden because you were obama's vice president you are going to be held to task by communities of colors and you're not going to rest on your laurels right mm-hmm. because you were you were vice president but i uh, for me for biden he's the better choice because here's the thing, he was influenced by Obama, and Obama's still in his ear, right? True. So, right, so he, uh, he's out there campaigning for him, so in many cases, yeah, he may not, he may not know the pain of us in the in the brown, black and brown communities, but I think he's going to address some things. And it looks like he's looking for, uh, at least, uh, here's the thing, a woman, I don't care if she's black, white, or green, women have a different compassion than men just in general Mm -hmm. and if you look at uh can you repeat that again men women have a different (laughs) compassion than men say that again (laughs) okay all right Cynthia. enough enough already with you they just have they just bring something different to the table that's why god made a man and a woman so that there's a balance right so you know and i know in my life with the woman i'm with she creates this balance for me. So 
it can create that balance for this for what we need here as a government, right? If there's a woman, well, is she black, green, purple, whatever he picks, that's his choice. But you know, it would just help us as a nation to be better if we had a woman who was vice president. I, I, that's just my opinion. I, I that's just that's just one black man's opinion. That's all. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree with you, sir. Yeah, I knew you would. <laughs> I agree as well. And I and I think it's because I mean, you know, true diversity, if you will, is having different points of view, right? To balance and find the strengths in each. And I you know, I'm just hoping that his pick is someone who, you know, is substantial and again, like I'll I will vote for him. I'm not gonna not vote because like I believe same with you, like a non vote is a vote for Trump and I'm not trying to live another four years of that mess, you know. And I don't I don't think I don't think the uh, United States of America would be able to last another four. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. Well, I just put it this way. If if he does get in, things are going to get worse. They're not going to get better. Mm -hmm. They're going to get worse Mm -hmm. because some of the some of his supporters are going to think are going to take certain liberties that they think they can. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, this civil unrest that we have now, which was my concern when this pandemic started or civil unrest, because when you can't feed your family, mm-hmm. um, and people will do whatever they need to feed their family. Right. So I was a little concerned about that in general. It's not what I thought it was going to be, but I'm going to tell you, I, I, I fear the fact that if Trump gets it back in an office, what's going to happen with his supporters, or what they think they're going to be able to get away with for the next four years. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, right now they're emboldened, right? Like right, right now, they're emboldened. Imagine another four years where then then they ain't got nothing to lose because it's you're four and done, right? You can't get reelected. Right, 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 so right. you go buck wild and changing all sorts of laws and re- repealing all sorts of civil rights because you got absolute power, which is the worst thing that we could have. You know, you're straight up fascism, right? It moves moves the needle more towards that fascist dictatorship of I can do anything I want because this is it. I'm done in four. So, yeah, that's it's a frightful. And I think, you know, just like you said, the the state of the nation will be very scary, very scary. Yeah. And that's that's my real that's my real concern. It won't be just scary for black people, Latino people, Asian people. It'll be scary for everybody, Mm -hmm. because if you really think about it. You know, nobody really thinks about this. If you think about what has happened to Japanese American people with Pearl Harbor, they loaded them up and put them in internment camps. Yes, they did. This happened in this in this country. Mm-hmm. So, don't think that they don't come up with some law that says there's a security feature, and now that all people Latinos got to be lo- locked up somewhere. Right, really? they are. They're locked up in the ice in the ice uh, detention centers. It could be Soviet. It could be Asians. It could be blacks. Yeah. It could be anybody. Yeah, and, and yeah, right. at that point, it could be anybody who has descent, right? Right. So black, brown, Asian, poor white, anybody. You know, like the the poor white base of Trump does not. That's that's a frustrating for me because. You know, that's what the white side of my family, many of them fall into that category, is they don't understand. He doesn't support you. He does. You don't make you you don't don't make you don't care about you. He don't care about you. 
And, and see, and that's what ha- Howard Stern is even saying it. He don't care about you. <laughs> he don't. And and yet they are right there still. Like if anybody, I'm like if anybody, like you said, like you, Howard Stern's one of those kind of people that he he don't care what he says. He doesn't care. He you know he'll say whatever he wants about anybody and everybody. And you know, but when he's saying it about Trump. It's just like, huh. Listen, I've, I've been a Howard Stern fan for years, and I got to tell you, he is so disappointed in Trump. Some of the things that he says about Trump, it is, it's amazing. You know, he had, I think it was uh, Sean Penn he had on his radio program yesterday. Sean Penn, the actor, is working with cities to test people for COVID-19. Hmm. And Howard said, I, I went home and thought about that. Shouldn't our federal government be doing that? But he's doing that with his people, with his with his company he has. And and he, he did it here in, in L.A. because eventually they were going to have the firemen do it. Hmm. Now, if you take the firemen away, it's, you know, it's breast fire season. So now they train their people to do it. So now the firemen's in the firehouse, so if there's breast fire... So, I mean, just the thinking was, right, he's going to communities of color. He's not just, he's going to communities of color, make sure people get tested. Now, this is an actor who feels concerned for the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How come we don't have a, a leader, a president? Who that can feels concerned for the world. Right, right. We don't have that. And why don't we have that? It, it's just amazing. And so, you know, Howard just, he was just, he, he he was dumbfounded today. I listened to him, and he usually got a lot of words, but he was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. The world we live in. How much – did we think we were going to be here in three years? No. Mm-mm. No. So That's what I keep saying on the podcast. How many signs does God got to demonstrate that this fool needs to go? How many signs? Pretty soon we're going to have big brush fires coming through, wiping crap out. Yeah. The Lord is speaking. Listen, folks. Did you see uh, that the uh, Washington Monument got struck by lightning the other day? No. I I said, there's the ancestors speaking right there. I heard it. Like, I don't know how many ways. If that ain't a sign, like, wake up. He's just just a clown. Um, Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a little break. All right, we will be right back. Welcome back to what are you bringing to the table? Welcome back. We're here with Stefan. Um, we're just going to wrap From up with Stefan because he's got he's got duties. He's got manly duties of the house. He's got to take care of. So, you know, happy wife. Yeah. <laughs> happy life. Happy wife. Yeah. Happy life. There you go. Exactly. So, um, yeah, Stefan, wrap it up. And, uh, you know, I just want to say from my my end over here. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being a listener. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, this was yeah, this was just awesome. So thanks for coming on. No, thank you. Thank you for giving me this platform to to speak and and to educate some people about the black plight. Um, I'm not the typical black person, but I am a black person, right? And so um, I think it's important. And one of the other things I like to say is. Um, to people who are out there who have black friends and who are struggling about what to say, 
just call them mm-hmm. and say I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of my white friends called me and just said, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. It means a lot to us because it means you're in our corner. That means you support me. We really are friends. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, when somebody dies, sometimes we don't know what to say, but we call them. Same thing here. Right. Nobody's died. Uh, George Floyd died. But the movement has begun. And if they just call them, say, hey, listen, man, I don't know what to say. I don't know what the right thing to do because they don't know our perspective. And I get that. Right. I understand that. You don't know our perspective. But just say, I'm here. I'm here. Right. Can you educate me? Because it all starts. Mm. We talked about this earlier in the podcast. Education. Just talking right. about it. Having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you go, wow, I never thought of it like that. That's right. why I love having conversation with people because you educate yourself so much when you yeah. talk to people. And I'm going to extend that to even the Latino community. Yes. Like if you're Latino, contact your African-American friends. We may have the same oppressions, but it's different. And, and that's okay because we're all working for the same thing, which is to be able to live in a, in a world where Mr. Montgomery doesn't have to try to disarm a situation mm-hmm. where he could, like any other white man, have a police officer stroll up, not with the hand on their gun holster. You know, that that's the kind of world that I want to live. I want to live where we don't have to feel like we have to disarm people in order for them to say, because, you know, a, a friend of mine had a picture in her office that says, I'm not going to apologize for my blackness. And that to me was, for me, was very uh, clear that, and you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to try to figure out if you're going to be able to disarm somebody. I shouldn't be able to have to figure that out. But that's, but as you said, though, Mr. Montgomery, that's the world that we live in, and we got to play by those rules, but we're also looking to change them. So I appreciate you, sir. I appreciate, one, you taking good care of my sis. Um, she's being fed, clearly. Um, and, no, you did and, uh, it. No, you, you know, did it. No, you did it. Oh, oh, love her to death. Uh, so thank you, sir. <laughs> on many, on many accounts, on many accounts. Wait, got real shady in here. Quick, no, no. Shady. I turn on some lights, big girl. Yeah, shady up in here. I'm not the one they call her big girl. You know. <laughs> so, anywho, so uh, love you, and uh, we'll 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 be seeing you soon. All right, love you Take both. Take care of thank yourself, you Stefan. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Oh, it worked. All right. It worked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. I, yeah. Yeah. Cool. We're good to go. Sorry, folks. We needed to make sure we'd stay on there when uh, Stefan had to disconnect, and it worked. Technology is yeah. working this week. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully uh, Fingers crossed. Uh, what's that? It'll keep working. Hopefully, hopefully Google Don't or talk email about- whoever. Stop talking about it. <laughs> Right. You're just you're just asking for trouble. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, so, I'm sure um, glad we had him on. That was that was great. I you know, I think uh what I like what I I mean, I loved it all. I ain't gonna lie. There's not one thing he did, he said that I didn't like. Um yeah. what I re- what I really liked was he really talked about like, hey, I'm just one black man. You know, I haven't had the same experiences as other black people. And but he didn't discredit that experience. Right. Right. He talked about like the the things that he had growing up that helped supported him and 
and got him through to not have some of the same experiences, you know? Um, so yeah, I really, I really appreciated that, that perspective of, look, I'm just one, but I also feel for the ones that are going through it. Right. Right. And, and even like you said there at the end, like nobody died. Well, yeah, George Ford died. It's a collective trauma. It's a collective grieving that's happening in our society right now with people of color. And, you know, we talked about this last night in terms of, uh, what agencies are doing, you know, uh, businesses or agencies, are doing in in regards and like he said if you don't know what to do as a manager just send the email that says i'm i I don't really know what to do right now but i just want to know that i I want you all to know that i i know that you're you're hurting i know that you're in pain and i'm going to try to do better to learn what can i do right the silence of not acknowledging this collective trauma is even more traumatizing worse Right? Because we make up a storyline. Yeah. With silence. Yeah. It's left to our it's left to our imagination as to what position you you take. Yeah. You know, and, and as uh Mr. Montgomery pointed out, just as a police officer is coming up to your window, he don't know you. We don't know you. Mm-hmm. We we don't know you. Mm-hmm. But how do we get to know you? By you coming and approaching and saying, then that says, Oh, okay, you're dis you're disarming us. Right. Showing the vulnerability that you don't know everything is how you build connection with the people that you work with, with the people that you, you know, your friends with, like, just like he was saying, like, if you, you know, call your black friends, just say, look, I don't know what to say, but I'm here and I will listen, whatever it takes, you know, and, and I'm willing to listen and to be provided knowledge and to build my knowledge base and to learn more and do better. Um, you know, I think we were talking about this yesterday. It's like planting those little seeds. And where do you plant those seeds? Do you plant your seeds in rocky, fallow ground that you might not, that might never grow? No, probably not. I'm going to plant it in a spot where I can, can be tended to. I can take care of it. I can nurture it, you know? And, um, I think with that, then Mm -hmm. we build more knowledge and we build more, uh, um, community with each other yeah yeah for sure for sure um but i also uh, what i also appreciated was you know even though he said i don't i didn't come from those different experiences with police you know just bringing it back to the efforts that he has to make in order for things to go well yeah you know during a stop and and those are things that you know i i want our listeners to understand it's the onus is on us people of color to disarm mm-hmm. people and 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 he's correct that is that that is the reality mm-hmm. it's not fair mm-hmm. but that's the reality of the situation mm-hmm. that we're that we face as people of color um that we have to keep those things in mind that we can never uh go into a situation where we can just be us that we're that that's something that we have to think about and um you know especially where he's coming from where he's saying you know as a six foot four black guy um i think he said six five don't don't short him an inch (laughs) you know what what men are like in their inches right right (laughs) yeah but i i really um yeah he gave me a lot to think about too regarding um you know a police officer's perspective 
um, that unfortunately we do have to do that. We ha- we yeah. do have to try to figure out ways to disarm. And uh, it's it's you know it's it's um it's just the difference of. I was talking with a couple white colleagues the other day about, I said, you know, if you, if you're driving and police come up behind you, do you get nervous? And they said, yeah, but they get nervous because that, you know, they don't want the ticket. I might get a ticket. I might be minorly inconvenienced. The other day we were driving home and, uh, Andy was with me and, um, I saw the cop in their rear view. He was in the left lane. I was in the right lane. So, you know, immediately when I saw the cop, I just started clocking. I'm watching, watching what he's doing. I'm making sure I'm on the speed limit. I'm making sure I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, not following too close, you know. And then he flips over and gets behind us in the lane. And I thought, oh, shit. Oh, we shit. fucking go, we go, you know. And that is the, what, you know, all the things that we have to go through. And, and I, I immediately started running the scenarios if we got pulled over. Because Andy's in the car, right? Black male yeah. with a hearing impairment. I started running through all the scenarios of what I was going to have to do, what I was going to have to say, how I was going to have to take control of the situation because they would, they could potentially immediately see him as a threat, as yeah. um, defiant because he can't hear them. Um, all, all the things that the stories that they make up when they see a black male because right. of that institutional racism that has conditioned them to believe them to, for them to believe that black males are a right. threat. Right. And, and like what Montgomery said is we're also, we don't know which, whether we're going to get a good cop or a not so good cop. Right. And you can't tell you the know. difference. Like you were saying a couple episodes ago, yeah. it was like, well, why don't people, you know, people talking about how people just need to use their common sense and know when they got right. it. There's a good cop and a bad cop. And it's like, uh, and can you tell me what that looks like? Because right. I'm not familiar with that. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. And, and maybe for her, she's never run into a quote unquote bad cop, you right. know? Um, and she's never you know, seeing that, experienced it. And I'm not going to say, like, I've had, I've been stopped, and I've had, you know, some good cops, and I've had ones that are, like, rude, um, you know, unnecessarily rude. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to me, it's like, I mean, that it's just uh, the training of just common decency, but then I also get, you know, where they're just like, well, we just don't know, we're nervous, we're afraid, uh, we don't know who's in the car. And then I get to, I mean, but there, really, I mean, even the there, like of people out there that they come in contact, bad, bad folk. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 like, I don't know. Yeah. So if a, if a police and I, 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 I would like to, and then I, I have a friend who's a police officer, so I'm going to see if he would like to come anonymously. But that that would be like a question, like of all the people that you come in contact with how many percent would you say quote unquote would be bad mm-hmm. and, and i'm not talking about whether it's a person of color but just quote unquote bad because i know people like to you know uh, uh what's the word exaggerate or use words like well they all are you know mm-hmm. every single time mm-hmm. you know they use the language of definitive of absolute when there is no absolute absolute. in anything yeah right yeah so sometimes i think that pausing and saying well come on not 
every single time. Yeah. And then it, then you start seeing them backing off and then the numbers get smaller and smaller. Well, sometimes. Well, occasionally. Yeah. You know? And then it's like, okay. That, but... And, know, I, but I, and I think it comes down to as well as... I mean, it's a multi-fold, multi-prong thing, in my opinion. It's one ro- rooting out. It, it does. It, there is needs to needs to be some reformation because yeah. police was form police were formed historically as um, uh, slave catchers, right? Yeah, like yeah. that was their duty was to go out and find runaway runaway slaves, right? That was part of the formation of of sheriffs and posse's and everything. And and they really did have absolute power, right? So you have a historical conditioning that's gone into the creation of law enforcement. So there does need to be some reformation in regards to how people are trained, how people are taken care of in this, you know, because it, it there is something that happens to the brain if you're if you're in a certain situation over and over and over and over again, it, it's confirmation bias, right? So if right. everything that you're encountering is crime, right, then you will i mean i i think about it when i just when i was a probation officer right like yeah. i mean i'm what is this 2020 i'm like seven years out of that job right and i would say just recently probably within the last year or so has my mind shifted to look at youth differently because the work i did influenced my perception of youth um, because I only saw youth in, 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 in a negative situation, right? There were some really great youth that I worked with, a youth with high potential, right? Um, but because of systematic things, ended up in the system. And um, so that did skew my view of teenagers, right? So I'm right. just now getting into that, like, that that is that is lowered. So even within policing, how do you take care of police officers so they can kind of check in with that on a regular basis? And, and, you know, we talked, we've talked about this a lot about like, you know, they don't go to therapy, even though they need therapy, everybody needs therapy. I'm just going to say it. It ain't about, you know, a particular job, but everybody can benefit from therapy. They they Um, see trauma on the day. Right. So the the trauma impact of what they go through is, it does change the brain. I mean, this is not, you know, witchcraft this is science it's It's the 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 changing of the brain so i think it's the fold of doing that work um looking at how do we allocate funding for certain things right not everything has to be funded through the police department public safety is just is not it can can look differently can look many different ways right yeah and so um and then you know i i just think that we do all have to look at when we're going to that absolute, like everybody's bad and uh, it just needs to go, you know, there are some good people within policing. I think that a lot of times their voice gets silent because of the culture of policing, right? The culture of the police forces where you have folks that maybe want to get in there and affect some change and, you know, wouldn't have stand stood beside and watched George Floyd be choked to death would have, you know, grabbed that officer on the shoulder and said, whoa, buddy, like, I got this, like, back off, you know, because Mm -hmm. that does happen. And, but there's also culture within, I think, the police force that prevents that, right? That silences those voices out of fear, like their own fear, right? Yeah. Um, So, you know, I, 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 I think that we, you know, kind of like what Stefan was saying is that we, 
this is the beginning and um you know i've talked about talked about this with other people like this is a marathon not a sprint if you all think this is going to be done and over with in two weeks you got you got just sit back relax grab yourself a mai tai and fucking you know get get ready for the party because there is there has been a tipping point and you know change is a coming it's just gonna happen like he said unfortunately maybe not even in our lifetimes you know i mean yeah uh but in the younger generation right like we said the younger generation is certainly out there doing it and you know i think that uh i saw a thing the other day about how impressed somebody was around you know this young generation gets a lot of slack of being you know entitled and spoiled and not wanting to work and you know they're the ones out there with masks and gloves and and putting themselves at risk to 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 protest because they're like i i I don't want this for my future right you know i don't subscribe yeah they're saying i don't subscribe to what my parents are subscribed yeah i want something different yeah so i and and you know what i liked i i saw somebody or i heard and i don't remember where i wish i could give credit but basically and it could have been i was watching documentary on james Baldwin. it could have been him um but basically they were saying you know white white supremacy and the ideas of that to want to have a all white uh community right that that's a disservice to those kids because that's not what the world around them looks like exactly that, and, and it, it struck me when stefan was saying you know when he was talking about the diversity which is true like the diversity in my neighborhood and being able to go and uh you know to a predominantly white school uh, you know it it taught me how to maneuver and how to uh work with people that i saw different Mm-hmm. And, and or you know the, or that viewed me different mm-hmm. um so that gate you know so i was like that that is true when i you know when he was talking about it and when whoever it was i wish i could give them the credit for for that but it it did it did make me think that that was a privilege that i had was being able to even though i'm a person of color there we do carry some privilege but that was a privilege for me to be able to have lived in that neighborhood and been able to go to the school in part of my growth Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that that's what um you know i've heard it from a lot of people from like new york and east coast is that they have had the opportunity to be to grow up in more of an integrated uh neighborhood or you know um area where it it is foreign when they come out here especially you know to the northwest and they see all the things that that go on here because they're like well this is you know this is not not what i'm used to and treated differently and um i think that uh you know um it's gonna take time and i mean like he was saying too is like he he's not gonna you know he's of a certain age and he's not gonna go out there and protest because he walk a block and he might pass out like that that's the thing that i want to remind folks is there are little things that you can do to help money support Finances. candidates right yep. um support uh groups that are you know uh there's a lot of um uh bail uh funds right now for protesters supporting our podcast supporting the podcast is another way which That's i right. guess this is a good time shout out to helga strauss for becoming one of our first supporters um i I, I didn't even know that you could do it. I mean, I knew there was something on the website, um, on their Anchor website. Um, 
but we we thank you for the support um helga sent me a very kind message uh today about how um you know we've just done a good job at informing our listeners and um we're doing good work and um you know yeah thank you helga so thank you helga from canada um originally from california though girl come on now we I know she's a California <laughs> girl. girl. I'm not going to let her get away with that. Like, I'm glad she's, you know, I'm glad she's happy in Canada, but she's a California girl. <laughs> uh, we go way back, back to the nineties, Southern Oregon at the time, Southern Oregon state college. It's now Southern Oregon university. So, um, yeah, we've known each other since freshman year of college. So thank you, Helga, for your support. Um, and so support us, support others. Um, support uh local nonprofits. uh have a conversation i think you know that was another good thing he brought up is just have a conversation right you don't have to go into a whole uh you know monologue of facts and statistics you know you can just have a simple conversation with someone that you know that may not have realized that some of the ways that they have been thinking in the past were racist right um because it's like you know the it's the fish that doesn't know they're wet Right. Because you've been swimming in it your whole life. Um, So, you know, I think that having small conversations with people that are willing to have the conversations, perspective changing, take part in things that you can take part in um, and know that this is not one and done. This is not. Oh, this will be over. What's next? This is we're in it for the long haul now. Like we have reached that point, not only nationally, but globally, that that there's some there's some shift happening. And when shift starts to happen, there's always resistance. Right. You know, there's right. always resistance to the, the change. And the reset. Button. And so, so right? Yeah. So how um, how fast yeah. will they scramble to create legislation to, you know, I mean, it happened, New Jim Crow laws. Like, that's the whole yep. concept of New Jim Crow is that is after slavery, they then had to enact laws such as loitering, right? Because that was a great way to get a black man put in jail because he couldn't get a job, he couldn't go to school, he couldn't vote. So now you're just standing around the street corner doing nothing. Boom, you're loitering, off to jail you go. And then what are you doing? You're in the the cotton field again, picking because of prison work, because of chain gangs, right? You're free. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, you went from free to incarcerated to doing the same work you did as a slave because of new Jim Crow laws of laws that were enacted to restrict, you know, that, and that's the, you know, again, we've talked about this before. That's the fucked up thing about, um, American history in the, in the schools these days is we didn't learn this, right? We didn't learn that after slavery, all these other laws were enacted. We learned that after slavery. Oh, bam, came the civil rights movement. It's in the civil rights movement. Yeah. Right. They just think poor. Yeah. They made a choice not to work. They made a choice not to educate themselves. They made a choice not to vote. No, those were all laws that kept them away. Right. You you didn't have anti discrimination laws in right. work that if you walked into the workplace they could say yeah we're not hiring you we don't hire right. your kind around here right. you know well and then Native Americans yeah they we signed a treaty and we gave them some land mm. no you stole land That's you know awesome. and you gave them the worst part of the deal but you just wanted to make it sound like you did something special right and then. Years later, when we want to build a, a fucking pipeline and it's on your property, we just break those treaties. Take it. 
We just break right. those treaties. So, um, and, and then, and even even within the Native American population, the government itself saying, here's who we will acknowledge as Native American. Here's the tribes we will acknowledge. How many tribes are no, not acknowledged? Because, again, that wasn't a choice of Native Americans. That was a choice of the government, that the overseer, the colonizers, to say, okay, fine, but only you will be registered. This tribe is not. So there's 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 even that, right? So right. I feel like all of that has led up to where we are now and that's why like we were saying you got to stay involved, you got to know what what's happening on the ballot because they will sneak something in there. They will sneak something into a bill, you know? Mm-hmm. Um they do it all the, the time. McC- they do And the way McConnell's appointing uh judges it's like it, it it's not going to be you know, everything goes through courts. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and we're suing for this, we're suing for that. But guess what? If they have the same type of thinking and these judges have um, appointments, lifetime appointments, mm-hmm. you know, guess what? We, we, we don't have a, a chance in hell, mm-hmm. you know, but at least in our lifetime. Yeah. But hopefully, you know the fight continues and it sounds like we got some really good young folks out there. And here's the thing is like you said, is like, you know, you, the young folks that you were working and looking at, Oh, this must be all young folks. And here they are. They are busting ass Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. They are nonstop peaceful protesting, you know, um, just like I said, risking life and limb. I read an article on this young girl, 22 years old. She was white and they, uh, you know, she was in a protest where they tear gas and, mm-hmm. you know, she must have had an effect to it that she ended up dying of the tear gas. Oh yeah. That was and in, I, where was that at? Where was, I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember, but I, you know, I, I'm thinking of the parents and the heartbreak of their 22 year old daughter that they had dreams and hopes for. Mm-hmm. And this young girl, uh, was saying enough's enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but the pain of the parents, cause I know what would happen if my son was out there and they came back and said, I'm sorry, she's dead or mm-hmm. he's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, on one hand, I'd be like, thank God he was fighting for something. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm like, how can my government kill my child? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How over property over right. what? I, you know, I don't understand that in this country by use of a chemical are, weapon. Tear gas yeah. is a chemical weapon. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. old. Uh, Barney, not Barney Rubble, but old Fred Flintstone Bar. He reminds me of Fred Flintstone. Oh, I can't um, stand his uh, He gets on there saying it's a chemical irritant. No, yeah. it's been deemed a, a chemical weapon. Yeah. And so when your government is using chemical weapons against you. Everything's a chemical irritant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everything. Orange, the, or This is a chemical orange. irritant. My my, my nail orange. polish remover is a chemical in, in, irritant. My it nail is polish is a chemical irritant. Like Tear gas is a chemical weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I mean, I just. I, a bullet's an irritant, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just uh, do something. 
Do something. Yeah. Um, All right. Should we take another break? Let's take when another break, get... and maybe we'll do uh, some story-related stuff. And, you know, we always got stuff. We, we always, always got, got stuff. stuff. You know, Anonymous has been working, and I feel bad. Oh. i got to give a shout-out to Anonymous. <laughs> Anonymous has been still working, and um, we haven't done rapid fire in a, you know, a few We haven't episodes. done that in a while. You know, but I but got, as we I said got, last week, things are different right now. We right. Our, 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 our uh, format's flipped up a little bit, you know. Hey, we're season right, two. I, we're season two. Right. We're doing something different. Right. And I was talking to people earlier about the, how we started the podcast. And I was like, um, you know, we started off with funny stories, like jaw dropping, like what? You know, falling out of balconies while you're, you know, having that sex. Kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and look at when we're at heavy duty. I said, this is the this is the trend of what's been going on that we're seeing every single day in the news. Like, cause I said, well, that's all we're pulling is from our news feeds. Like the, these mm-hmm. are, you know, these are stories that we're not seeking out and investigating. These are just stories that affect us and yeah. that are in our news feeds that we see. And we just got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, so, and I think this is what we can do. I mean, again, like you, if you can't go to a protest, what can you do? I feel like this is what we can do, right? right. Like, like I said, right. we, we got listeners who have been informed and have gotten knowledge from what we're talking about on here and appreciate yeah. it, right? So, right. Um, if this is what we can do, is talk about this, is spread some knowledge, is spread some awareness. Um, because then guess what happens? You know, it's, it's word of mouth. Then you tell someone else and then you tell someone else and they tell someone else. And pretty much then, then people start building knowledge, you know? So, I mean, shit, it is what it is. This is what we're doing right now. So, um, we'll take a break and then we'll come back at it. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Two, what are you bringing to the table? All right, welcome back. We're going to do a couple stories um, and uh, do a little bit of a typical format. Uh, so what you got? So I have this one that came from the Oregonian. Uh, this happened here in Salem, Oregon, which is probably about 45 minutes from uh, Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is Salem police chief apologizes after video of officer with armed group emerges. The police chief in Salem, Oregon, has apologized after video showed one of the city's police officers speaking with armed men about curfews that critics say shows authorities that authorities treated the men with weapons differently than other protesters. Like other cities, Oregon's capital capital instituted evening curfews during protests over the killing of George Floyd. In the video, a Salem police officer tells the armed group to get off the sidewalks before police start enforcing the curfew. Now, not get off the sidewalk! Go home! Not in their face, with batons, pushing them back. Walks up to the dude. Very polite, very, uh, sir, yeah, you know, curfew, you got to get off the sidewalks. He said they needed to leave the sidewalk, but could be inside a business or inside their vehicles, 
so it doesn't look like we, quote unquote, so it doesn't look like we are playing favorites. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look like we are playing favorites. This is a video. Mm-hmm. This week, the Salem police chief, as they always say, do. Why would you say that? Why would you use those words? Because I'm playing favoritism. I, I'm, I'm letting, I mean, and this is. That's where my brain goes, right? I don't want others to think that I'm playing favoritisms, but guess what? Blink, yeah. blink. Yeah. Know. I'm giving you the extra burger. Like, I mean, let's be for real. You're working at a a fast food. Mm -hmm. Your friend strolls through. Mm -hmm. You know, you're giving them extra fries or an extra drink. Mm -hmm. That's favoritism. Mm -hmm. Because the person behind you is seeing that as, hey, hey, fool, don't go out there telling them you got this for free. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because then they're going to start demanding free for me, too. Exactly. You know, so it's like, that's exactly what it is. It's like, Mm -hmm. it is favoritism. Yeah. Because you would have never done that for anybody else. And, and yeah, no, fool, no. But the Salem police chief, Jerry Moore, said in a video address to citizens that this was the first time a curfew has been instituted in the city. As for the video, Moore said he understands that some people feel authorities were holding certain groups to different standards. For that, I tell you, I am sorry, Moore said adding that the officer had not been fully briefed code word bullshit and how to enforce curfews during the demonstration i I, I don't don't believe it i haven't been informed and if somebody were to say hey we have a curfew start go tell the people okay first off i don't need to be informed first off I, i gotta say this that is fucking bullshit Because, again, I will go back on past job experience. When we worked a curfew sweep, which we did a lot, right? Looking back now, I'm thinking, God, what a fucking racist tactic we were using. Um, But when we did those things, so we would partner with the Portland police. If, I mean, you stood there for I don't even know how long in a briefing with this is what we're doing. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to cite and release. Or if they're on paper, we're going to bring them down here so you guys can talk to them. Like, there was a whole protocol, a briefing that happens. So for this motherfuckers to say he didn't know, I call bullshit. I call bullshit. Okay, if you didn't know, where were you at when the briefing happened? Right. Where were you at with the briefing? Huh? He wasn't fully. He said... He wasn't fully briefed. And, I, I guess and, and why not? That's because your ass wasn't there? Because you weren't paying attention? Because you didn't think you had to go? Because the rules don't apply to you? Because you already yeah. knew what you were going to do when you went out there? Right. Right. I mean, and here's me. I, I'm like, even Joe Smoey Citizen, hey, go tell somebody we have curfew. Okay, I'm going to go up there. Hey, people, we can, you can't have, you know. But I'm never going to say, but be in your vehicles, wink, wink. Right. Because you don't want to show that it's fit. Curfew means... Get out of your, you get dispersed, right? Go to your homes or if you have business here, mm-hmm. then get into your business. Right. But no, you're not hanging around in your vehicle. You are moving somewhere out of this yeah. area. Yeah. That's what curfew means. Right. And you I know? think what they're talking about, too, is like there w- there was a there was a difference in who, who, who and how he treated how, you know, in what way. Yeah. Right. And that's that's yeah. the other thing. So. Yeah, clearly you were playing favorites because oh, yeah. you talked to them in a very civil manner, in a very on the down low manner, so they would know, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas 
the 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 protesters how did you treat them you know right how did how much and, abuse and did like, they have to entail instead of just being okay everybody's gotta go weapons, and i'm like and how many weapons guns you know were out there in these protests that these protesters were carrying around I, I don't remember. They had sticks. They had none. But, none that I uh, know of. Not. I mean, I haven't heard any cases. You see these people. I'm here to protect right. my property. They're standing uh, there with uh, AR-15s. Well, I'd be like, I need to know: Is this your business? Right. Or you know, is this your business here? Mm-hmm. That, you know that that's exactly what a police officer would come up to a person of color to say. I saw another video where there was a man who called the police because he had just been robbed during this whole you know exchange. Mm-hmm. African American man. What happens? Those police officers come in and they end up assaulting the owner. No, called the police. Yeah, I was like, OMG, OMG. But whatever's right. Uh, You know that, and and what's always going to play in my head is what Stefan said. As an African American man, he has to dismantle. You know, unarm, Mm -hmm. unarm. Mm -hmm. And, And how do you do that? I don't know. I mean, I, there yeah. are a lot of tricks he probably has in his bag to be able to do what and other African-American men that they have to do in order right. to. And I think and, that's the, the and, and the fucked up thing, too, is that, you know, he might have a little bit more uh, skill skill set to do it. Right. But yeah. a different way of building, you know, for whatever reason. Right. Um. however, I think that the problem even still lies is that as as good as he is at it. At some point, he could potentially encounter that racist cop, right? That right. that isn't going to give a shit how nice he is to them, how many yes right. sirs he gives them, how many how much he complies because we've seen it, right? We've right. seen black men shot in the back yeah. with their hands in the air. Yeah, I mean, how much more compliant can you get, right? Yeah. That's why, I said, you know, that that's what was uh, that's the tragedy. That's the tragedy. Yeah, that's, that's what he's saying. I don't know which officer I'm going to come up right. against. I could, you know, and he said, George came up against that one. Yeah, that one officer. Yeah, and that's the outrage. That one you know, officer and his cronies, you know, the, yeah. the officer and his cronies that either were too frightened to say anything because of some sort of retribution or really felt like it was justified. Right, because and, and uh, mind you again, because uh, I did not hear Mr. Montgomery say, "Oh yeah, it's you know." It, he's saying he has to be the one to yeah, dismantle exactly. this arm. That mm-hmm. like, he's the one thinking about it. Yeah, and here you have a man who's educated, a man that um, you know is is successful, you know knows how to maneuver, but we're also talking about communities of color where it's disp- disproportionately impoverished communities mm-hmm. where you know education is not a top priority for the city the state right you know um and, and so providing asking, the education is not you know providing quality and, education is not right. in the and, framework of the municipalities which a lot right. of communities and of colors asking, live in right and we're asking people who are in survival brain mode mm-hmm. to make sure that one you better learn how to disarm mm-hmm. a white police officer mm-hmm. like as far as like n- emotionally disarm them mm-hmm. you know by placating i don't know i, I yeah i mean that's know, the talk right that's the talk that yeah. black families have to have with their children every fucking generation 
right? Right. In some right. shape or form, every generation of black fa- parents have had to have this talk with their children. And that's the right. fucked up thing, right? Like, right. clear back to the plantation where it, if your child wasn't ripped away from you at birth, right? right um right. It, it is that you were, you know, told to listen to master and listen to, you know, like, don't question, don't look at it, you know, don't look in the face, boy, you know, like that, that, um, talk has been happening for centuries. And I think where we're at now is people are tired of having to have that talk because even if you have the talk and even if they do everything they're supposed to do, they're still ending up dead. Right. But yet we can have, armed folks Mm -hmm. and police officers approaching them not because they're fearing hey this dude might shoot me Mm -hmm. that's not that's not you know so i'm gonna you know approach real carefully you can approach real carefully but you also need to demonstrate you gotta disperse you need to follow the same standard of curfew Mm -hmm. as everybody else yeah you don't get to wink winky Mm -hmm. get in your car Mm -hmm. and then we won't bug you right no you know and that that that's the whole that's the whole point is so then he goes on to say we understand uh the feelings of fear that large groups of people openly carrying firearms in our city can create the chief said Though they gather under the guise of protecting the city, that is our responsibility, not theirs. <laughs> what, and then why yeah. the fuck do they think it is? You know? Right. Why Why do they feel that it that, that it's going to be welcomed? Like, yeah. there's got to be some kind of message that these guys get that say, hey, we can go over there. Don't mm-hmm. worry. We're not going to be arrested. We're not going to be having guns pointed at mm-hmm. us during a protesting and rioting these clearly these police officers knew mm-hmm. knew that these were not threats yeah that these folks were not threatening but change the color of the skin and that seems to change a different tone has a different connotation yeah exactly because it. it's the built-in that, condition threat right that's right i mean it, the the um in in Chicago, I don't know if you saw that video of the white guy decked out with his fucking you know fatigues and and Kevlar and his AR fifteen, um, white dude, just walking amongst the rioters, and police they they just walked over. Some words were exchanged, and then he was let to go about his way. Like you have a man that like like you're saying yeah. Have there been sticks? Have there been things thrown? Waters of water? Yeah, yeah. But to my knowledge, I haven't heard of anyone possessing a firearm. The firearms yeah. that are being possessed are the counter-protesting that have a, all of this white white privilege, right? To be able right. to to obviously be in with the... I mean, they, he probably uh, knew him. I, he yeah. probably uh, knew him. I don't know. Like, he, they probably belong to the same little fascist fucking... Uh, gun club right you know i mean the community's small enough like um so what do you think it's like and what do you think the message is to these uh protesters that are the peaceful protesters because you know it's (laughs) you 
I, as far as I and I, I really haven't been following all the looting because I'm like, you know, where who's looting what? I don't mm-hmm. know if Salem downtown was looted. Mm-hmm. I don't know any of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it in the video that, you know, they were concerned about people burning down stuff. Yeah. or You know, but when you have peaceful protesters out there and you they see armed gunmen who aren't who are off to the side mm-hmm. and they themselves have seen you know through social media how angry somebody gets when you just say hey a black life matters yeah and how mm-hmm. angry frothing of the mouth mm-hmm. karen's and kyle's get yep kyle's yep right because you're carrying a sign that says hey black life matters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah uh, you know. um so uh lebanon has had um two two rallies so far um and this is like a town of 1600 people um very a lot of racist issues down there and um but it was cool to see like a group of people coming out and you know and they're they're having a big one on sunday and um but even there like you know it's like people driving by screaming stuff they had a lot of support though so that was kind of cool to see too is like the number i mean i was shocked i'm just gonna be honest Mm -hmm. i was shocked at the number of cars that actually were honking in support you know so it was Mm kind of cool to see like in that kind of area especially um and then you know, you had the haters. You had the people that would roll by and scream "All Lives Matter" and you know all those things. But it was good to see a, a, a support bigger than what I had would have anticipated. So I think mm-hmm. that that's the other thing is that this isn't thing like you know when Ferguson happened, there were there you know we we had a few what like a couple few days of, of Black Lives yeah. Matter rallies, yeah. but it kind of you know subsided and. But I think that's the difference is is we're seeing rallies in in tiny communities, right? Like yeah. that you wouldn't yeah. normally think, and, and for me yeah. that I, that I wouldn't normally think in Oregon would would have it, right? Uh, right. There was one in Coos Bay, um, and a guy actually fucking pulled a gun, like white dude roll up, all lives matter bullshit, white lives matter, had his gun out. Fortunately, somebody got a picture. And, and, and let's put it this way: what, if it was a brown person, because oh. you claim—I mean, you—you you were saying you worked in the, you know, uh, probation. So it's like, how many kids oh. were arrested for pulling a gun like that? Oh my God, so many, so many, yeah, yeah. And you know. <laughs> so the dude was arrested, but yeah, but I'm saying the brazenness yeah. of it. Yeah, no, like, it like was hundred percent like so entitled. Never, probably ever seen the inside of a justice system doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, these, yeah. this is how frothy at the mouth they mm-hmm. are. They're like rabid. You know, they're they. I mean, they're the ancestors animals. of the KKK. Like, yeah, think about it, right? Like the KKK had children and then those children had children and you know some may have gotten away from it but there is generational racism and you know that's probably who knows he may not be able to right. know but i mean i'm sure if you did a you know some sort of genealogy he might be able to trace ancestry to the kkk or maybe yeah. current you know like I, I, yeah I, i'm like but you done lost your mind mm-hmm. that's why i'm like you done lost your mind and you know i that's that's 
why more states need to uh, declare racism a uh, public health. Mm-hmm. You, you saw that one Karen that got slapped in the uh, mm-hmm. convenience yep. store. Yep. And her husband coming out saying she's got she's had ha- a mental health issues. She's been having mental health issues for a year and a half now. She's paranoid. Tell her to turn off the damn Fox News. Mm-hmm. That'll help reduce her paranoia. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know. Yeah. But Karen is being emboldened to say, uh, "You serve me first. This chick don't even belong here. Mm-hmm. So you need to serve me first. Yeah. Yeah. That's the mental illness he's talking about. <sighs> but we need to call that out. That's racist. Yeah. Exactly. You know, her racism. It has just escalated, for, you know, and it's been escalating for almost a year and a half before it was suppressed. Mm-hmm. You know, before it was like, ooh, I don't think I can. Now, after a year and a half, I'm emboldened. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to let it show because I don't give a mm-hmm. crap who's doing what, when. Yeah. And she, you know, the taste was slapped out of her, you know, <laughs> but, you know, hopefully, hopefully. You know, that slap just kind of, you know, kicked in, unfroze that locked brain. Yeah. You know, Rattled something that, around in there. Uh, <laughs> maybe the marble fell back Hit the in. reset I button. <laughs> exactly. Reboot. Let's start from beginning. But I'm like, you know what, Karen? Like the dude that was recording, you asked for it. Yep. You, you walked right into that one, Karen. Yep, you don't exactly. have costume people. You don't, you know, you can have your freedom of speech but don't go putting hands on people yeah yeah it's i mean it's an interesting um it's an interesting thing that's happening because because of social media right right is that we're uncovering and we kind of talked we talked about this before is that we're we're peeking behind the curtain and i think there are some people that are uncomfortable with that that viewpoint right they don't they don't want to see that right it's scary to see what's behind there like there's a privilege in just kind of living in ignorance right um Mm -hmm. i mean ignorance is bliss right that's why that i i believe that's why that saying is part of why it, it exists is because there is a sense of like well if i don't know about it it's not a you know i don't have to think about it kind of thing right but i think there becomes a time where at some point we have to look at it as right. uncomfortable as it is because I, I mean, I've lived with that privilege, you know, and there are people in the black community hasn't lived with that privilege of, right. I don't want to see it. Right. It's, it's, it's in their face all the time. Um, even, even the way we continue to show um, the objectification of it, right. The, the mm-hmm. death is is it, it's almost because an object um whereas you know when you see the 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 white man uh that was knocked backwards right mm-hmm. and like they blurred his face immediately you know but a lot of news outlets carried that carried george's murder with no blurring of his face and kept and kept using that image and to the point where it just becomes like a thing, you know? Right. Right. Um, so I think that we have to, you have to, we have to kind of reflect on that and, right. And know that, yeah, some of this shit that we're going to see, it's going to fucking suck. Yeah. And it's going to look, yeah. and it's, it's ugly. 
And if we don't confront it, it's not going to go away. Yeah. You know, it's, and right. I think we've done that for so long, right? Well, it's just good enough, right? It's just enough, right. just enough. And I think it's come to a, a place where, you know, it's not enough anymore. It's like you, yeah. at some point you have to treat people as the whole person that they are. And I right. think that black community is saying that, you know, I mean, right. again, I don't know. This is just my perception of what I'm seeing is the black community is saying we you have to start treating us as whole people. Right. And that's in yeah. every and that's in every institution. Right. From yeah. from uh, education to healthcare, you know, mm -hmm. to um, public safety, all of it. Right. Like, yeah. They're, th yeah. They they just want to be treated as whole people, and yeah. <sighs> so we yeah, this is uplifting. This is I know that's why I was like, ugh. <laughs> um, but you have did you have a story, right? I do, then, I do. It's a um, I have a story and a, we have a tool. Um, let let's talk about this story because it's a quick one because you don't even really yeah. have to go on the whole story, but it just makes me. Just makes me warm inside. Oh, that's good. We need um, one to end up. NASCAR bans Confederate flag. Uh, that yeah has so, banned the Confederate battle flag at all of its events and properties, and racists are losing their shit. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, Tell me about oh, that part. Racists are losing their minds. Um. Let's see. I gotta find. Um, let's see. Um, well, let me just go to the tweet, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'm sure there's gonna be. Uh, While you're doing one that, right, right, the first one at the top. This is disgusting. I've been a long, lifelong NASCAR fan since 2017, and I'm going to be sick. You let the libs win. OMG. Yeah. Okay, so I guess so the Navy on Tuesday announced it would prohibit the Confederate flag uh Confederate battle flag from all its military installations. Yes. Following the lead of the Marine Corps, yep. which last week began implementing a ban on its troops displaying the the flag in any form. Yep. I didn't even know that they could. Yeah. Like I'm like you know, even in our history here we we were fighting and they lost which means that we should have said dude why are you fly why are you flying that flag that that was we yeah. we overtook you yeah we, that's we, that's the loser's flag you, right <laughs> we crushed you but you're still infiltrating here you still have these ideas that we said but then again you know when we talk about it it's more political and more of a thinking this a white supremacist thinking that says, mm, yeah, you know, we had some disagreements, but we still agree on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And we agree on white supremacy. Yep. So yep. we can't be divided, folk. So keep your flag flying. We understand you, brother. Yeah. So, yep. you know, yeah, so I, I understand that. But now it's starting to, you know, how many years later since, uh, the uh, Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> took you that long? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Cool Finally, story, bro. <laughs> yeah. And then now you got the Karens and Kyles 
you know, all up in arms now. Yeah, so so the racists are losing their damn minds on Twitter um, about NASCAR. I love it. Um, uh, you know, here's here's my here's I'm gonna I'm gonna manifest this into the universe. NFL, your next move: get rid of the fucking Chiefs and get rid of the fucking rednecks, rednecks, yeah. redskins. Red, red, yeah. You know, um, you have two professional teams whose names are racially insensitive, especially yeah. the Redskins. Like, how the fuck do we have a professional team? That's named after a slur, a racist slur to Native Americans. The like, same reason why like, we finally have the Army and Marines banning right. Confederate flags. So NFL, <laughs> your move. And yeah. then, and then, uh, um, fucking, what is the baseball? Major League Baseball, uh, MLB, yeah. you're next. Yeah. yeah. Right? And any of you other fucking sports fucking organizations out there that are using fucking native american slurs for your teams it's your move that's right it's your I fucking mean, it, move. it says something to these you know to these trump tards where you have <laughs> one you have generals retired generals coming out and mm-hmm. saying we have a i mean they're here's the thing is they're telling those active duty commanders mm-hmm this is their code. We have an active duty to protect the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And if your commander in chief is asking you to not defend it, you have the authority mm-hmm. to say, sorry, sir, you've lost. You have your the duty under your oath. <laughs> That's right. Like the oath that you take is to defend the Constitution above all things. Right. Like you, both foreign you, and domestic. You don't have a choice. You, yeah. That's the oath you sign. Like they're all big on their oath. Like I signed an oath. I signed an oath. Okay. That's the I'm oath you sign. Yeah. That's right. Like that's right. Y- you have a choice here to be on the right side of Unless history. You want to be a part of a coup. Yeah. Then you will go with what this fool mm-hmm. is saying. Uh, you know, <laughs> Which, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of extremists out, th- out there that are like, "Yeah, let's go for it." You of know, of course they are. You know, of and they are. Um, that's that. That's where we have to counterbalance, right? Counteract, right. do things like this because there are people in the middle that are like, "I just don't fucking know any different." So, oh, okay, right. yeah, I get just this. This makes do. sense. Right. Um, you know, again, go back to the the Lebanon uh, rally. Um, my friend was telling me that there was a, you know, across the street kind of a counter thing. Um, but then ultimately, yeah. what ended up happening is they go over and they talk to the guy, and he was a, um, a fire department fire firefighter. And they sp- explained it in, in the terms of the, um, you know, the, the I'm sure you've seen the mean, like, if your house is, if someone's house is on fire, you know, and yours is not, you don't scream, but what am I at my house, right? So they used that yeah, metaphor. Right. And he totally fucking yeah, got it. And he was like, oh, yeah. I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. And he's like, I'm going to come over t- tomorrow when they were going to do the next one. I'm gonna be, I'll be on that side with you. Yeah. Like, he, he again, yeah. he was a man who had a concept of what it meant. But wasn't informed wasn't correctly. Educated. Didn't have the right. knowledge behind it. Someone took the time to to give it to him in a way that he could understand it. And then he was like, oh, yeah, right. this makes total sense. Of course. Of course right. Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that 
things like this that are happening, the, the, the end of the Confederate flag, it's, it's waking people up, you know, yeah. it's waking people up to, okay, yeah, this is, yeah, this, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. NASCAR, no, no more Confederate flag, which yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I was like shocked. NASCAR? Like fucking yeah. NASCAR. That's what I want to say to the NFL. Fucking NASCAR beat you, NFL? Like yeah. seriously? Well, and I, I also here's locally I want to give a uh uh kudos to City of uh Portland Mayor. Yeah, yeah. Um because he came out with um giving all city employees forty hours of uh bereavement. Um, and, and you know, and here's again, here's where my my personal biases pop in like an instant. When I heard that, I was like, "What? Forty hours? That's a long time!" You know. Mm-hmm. And then I had to reel my brain real quick. I had to slap my brain out of uh, fight, flight, and freeze. Um, and for me, it was like, "Yeah, forty hours." Because this job is emotional. And then I got into nervousness because I know what backlash he is going to get Mm -hmm. for leading with race. Mm -hmm. For saying this is traumatic Mm -hmm. that you folks that are of color and communities of color are experiencing. And it's traumatic to your white coworkers who are experiencing and seeing you in pain. Um, and this needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. And I'm going to give you those 40 hours. Mm-hmm. And every single person that I- any employer, any, you give your folks time mm-hmm. to grieve because this is poignant time in our history. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This isn't just, you know, uh, this is this is where we begin to start seeing who is serious about change and who is not who is the one just you know running their mouth so that politically they look good right and exactly this is a man that is risking his political position Mm -hmm. to do the right thing and say we are serious Mm -hmm. yeah we are serious yeah so i'm giving that man a shout out and i'm like i'm not gonna forget it at the polls so thank you yeah, um, it's I mean it's unprecedented for sure, and and it, it it's interesting in the fact that to me it it's about as well as realizing. I mean, to me, that's like a trauma informed thing to do, right? When yeah. you realize your workforce has suffered something, a great tra- great emotional pain. You, you do something like this. You acknowledge it yeah. and you acknowledge that people need time to heal. They at least start the healing process, right? The, the, the healing is, I, it's, with everything that's going on, I, you know, there's going to be a lot of pain. And so mm-hmm. it only makes sense to allow people to go through and address that and, and explore that. And um, I think that, all of our greater society can look that. I mean, even private businesses, you know, like um, there is like, even as a bottom line thing, right. Again, because I, I think sometimes do they do it for 
what do they do? What's the true reason behind? And a lot of time there are things that are money driven. So from a financial, if you allow people to take care of themselves, they're mm-hmm. going to be more productive and more engaged in work, which then makes your business better. Um, so I don't know. I hope we people take companies and other agencies take a page from that. And, and we see it everywhere. Um, and I do think though, he's going to catch a lot of shit. Because he explicitly named the George Floyd and all of these incidences of racial injustice as one of those reasons, right? Mm -hmm. And so you know you're going to get the fucking backlash of the white community like, "Uh, well, when this happened, he didn't do anything. And uh, I had a hangnail one day and they wouldn't let me off early. (laughs) You know, like all the fucking Karens and the Kyles are going to be talking about how they didn't get none when this, you know, other thing happened. Um, right. But when we're talking right. about centuries of oppression, 40 hours over that amount of time is nothing. You know, when we're talking about reparations, that's not, I mean, that's like minute, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like it. Yeah. I like it, and I think we had talked about him uh, the last time when he made that. Uh, I'm not going to take any money from sex workers. Yeah, that was one of the last <laughs> ones we talked about. You know, and I mean, I'll say, in a- my opinion, he's he, he's problematic. There's other things right. like you know, right. I'm not going to be like, oh, I, for me, I'm not like he- all Mayor right. Wheeler, you know, bandwagon. But I will say, in this sense, you did the right thing. He did the right Uh, thing. My thing is, I don't think he really thought how it would be turned and spin because everything is spin, you know. Um, I kind of knew what he was trying to, you know, trying to say. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, come on. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. So, anyway. So. I just Twittered Twittered a uh, support you. uh, Oh, really? You, you've, you've endorsed him? What are you bringing to the table? Oh, we endorsed him? We, we, did, uh, we did not discuss we, this. We, we didn't. We, we did not discuss him. this. Hey, he's doing. I will give him work. a shout that he did this. That yeah. this was the right thing to do. Like, you know, when you he come down to do the right thing, he, he did the right Jeopardy. thing. Yeah. And I will say, there's other areas where. Of course, we can. We're all on our. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not thinking. Our, we. we all be woke. We. Uh, we need to be endorsing him just yet. <laughs> well, like, I'll retract. Yeah, y'all I'll done. Retract throw it. throw our eggs in one basket I, without like retract, fully yeah. vetting it, as you know. Yeah. Um, but I think they need to hear, for, you know, because he's gonna get all these. Oh yeah, no, he's gonna get a lot of hate. He's gonna get a lot right. of hate. So I think they need to hear yeah. the, you know, the good stuff. But I'm always just saying, like, mm, let's just be careful, you know, like. When they give us something, when there's giving us something, there's always strings attached. Right. Ain't nothing free, baby. And and like we said, (laughs) you know, Biden ain't, but that's our reality. Yeah. You know, that's our reality. So, you know, this is our reality. You can't buy me off with 40 hours. You can get my attention, but you can't buy me off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I just wish that other uh, other organizations. That's what I'm saying. Is you, you got my attention, sir. <laughs> to have done something like that. 
you know? Uh, you got my attention. We, yeah, look at the struggle that took just to get Martin Luther King as a holiday. I, and then and some this, people, some don't even, some still don't celebrate right. it. And, and, and there's Wheeler in, like, yeah. this is a mover and a shaker, making things move. You know? I, you know, we'll see. <laughs> all right we'll see so what what's your uh, tool uh, okay so uh this week's tool is performative allyship is deadly here's what to do instead so last week's we talked about how to be an ally and yeah. all the ways and things you can do to be an ally and what an ally is um, so this article is delving into performative allyship. So first, what is performative allyship? Um, so allyship is when you transfer the benefits of your privilege to those who lack it. Performative allyship yeah. is um, when someone from the same non-marginalized group professes support and solidarity with a marginalized group in a way that either isn't helpful or that actively harms that group. Performative allyship usually involves the, quote, ally receiving some kind of reward or benefit on social media. It's the virtual pat on the back for being a good person or, or quote, on the right side. I want to make it clear that I don't... Oh, I didn't tell you where this came from, did I? This comes from mm -hmm. uh, forge.medium.com, an article written by Holiday Phillips. Okay. Um, so... Uh, I want to make my, make it clear that I do not exempt myself from this kind of behavior. Uh, this is the uh, author. Well, me too. This yeah. goes for me. This yeah. goes for me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I myself have spoken online with fervent vigor about the evils of factory farming, only to later that day sneak a piece of cheese from my partner's plate. Um, I understand the urge to Chick -fil -A. say <laughs> you eat that Chick-fil-A. Um, yeah. I understand the urge to say something, especially when people are reminding you that to be silent is to be complicit. But the problem with performative allyship is not that in itself damages, but that it excuses. It excuses privileged people from making the personal sacrifices necessary to touch the depth of the system systemic issues it claims to address. If you hashtag, hashtag say his name, you've done your bit, right? You publicly declared that you stand against racism and therefore you can check that off your list, to-do list. Wrong. Uh, looking yeah, like those influencers right? going out there posing and then getting in their car and taking off. Yep. Looking uh, through Instagram stories, apparent white allies shouting for justice. My heart broke to see their posts immediately followed by photos of what they had for lunch and something similarly unrelated. This kind of allyship is transient. A passing story, a repost for the gram. It's cheap and inauthentic. So how do you spot performative allyship? The post is usually simple, just a few words, an image or whatever um, with uh, um, the, go the going hashtag is. Performative allyship refuses to engage in the complexity below the surface or say anything new. Uh, number two, it almost always expresses itself in its outrage, disbelief, or anger in the injustice. But your outrage isn't useful. If anything, it's a marker of your privilege that you... Uh, that you Racism to you, racism is still surprising. Trust me when I say this is not for black. This is not for so for black, indigenous, and people of color, for whom racism is an everyday reality. Right. So mm -hmm. remembering that um, my experience is never going to be the same as a black 
person's experience. And yeah. um, so remembering that even in, in, in the, cause I do, I get fucking angry. I do. I, I admit mm-hmm. I'm, I, this is one of mine that I, you know, yeah. Um, so just be mindful. I think being mindful of it, uh, mm-hmm. it refuses to acknowledge any personal responsibility for the systemic issues that provided the context for relevant tragedy. Instead, it looks at the villain out there, a crooked police officer or the heartless conservative. It separates you, the good from the bad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've all taken a part in it. I've, t- I mean, I know, right. like, right. I know the fucking shit i've done in my past i was reflecting on today just the um the the way i the way in which i started my probation officer you know career the things that i did that i look back now and say fuck that's fucked up you know right because i was also a product of that systemic system systemic racism that trains in a certain manner right that trained to see the good, only so, the good and the bad, right? The binary. Right. It was, you know. So, I mean, we're all responsible for that. We, yeah. we take a part in that. Um, yeah. Perhaps the most noticeable, um, it's usually met with praise, approval, or admiration for the person expressing it. That is the lifeblood. Um, so, you know, if you recognize any of yourself in that and some of these descriptions, that's a good thing. Now you know, right? Now you can do something about it. Um, so what are some of the things you can do instead? Um, act with your wallet. Um, I believe this is the greatest thing that you can do as a white person to support um, BIPOC communities. If you are disgusted with the century state-sponsored um, theft from black, Asian, and indigenous people's lands, then support BIPOC-owned businesses. Initiate your own program of reparations by actively looking for products and services you use regularly and find alternatives created by BIPOC. And if you're heartbroken of the exploitation of people of color in some of the poorest countries in the world, refuse to buy from fashion and technology companies that continue to shamelessly, ex- shamelessly exploit adults and children in their labor practices. Um, call out people in real life. Um, it's easy to call people out when you're hidden behind a keyboard. Um, you know how you know what's hard. Um, calling calling out your boss. Um, when mm-hmm. he routinely mixes up your two Indian colleagues or facing off with your racist relative when they start talking about immigrants taking all our jobs. If you can't yeah. speak up, that's okay. But recognize the fact that and commitment to doing your work so that one day soon you can. Inform right. yourself. Um, it's too easy. And to- it's okay to say, I'm afraid because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's okay to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you need to acknowledge that because, like I said, that's a fear we mm-hmm. that's a fear we mm-hmm. go through every single day. When somebody says that one of the microaggressions, we're like, "Oh, I ain't got time." Yeah, I ain't got time. The emotional tax it yeah. takes to say something. So, as an ally, mm-hmm. your job is to do it is to say something. That's right. To, to say like, "I don't fucking like when you do that." That's right. not cool, right? Because um, we're afraid. Yeah, we, we're afraid to just bring it up because we already know where the conversations go from there. Exactly. Yeah. So um, have uncomfortable conversations. Um, yeah. Inform yourself. Uh, it's all too easy to focus on the people out there, the evil ones, the KKK, the neo-Nazi. Almost every sensible person believes that people that these people and their views are deplorable. But because they are marginal and a few in number, they have 
little power and influence over mechanics of society. You know what does have a mass influence? Systemic white apathy and privilege. And I'm sorry Mm -hmm. to say if you're white, no matter how nice you are, unless you're doing serious and sustained personal anti-racism work, you are a part of the machine. Ask your BIPOC friends about their experiences of racism and listen. Engage in ways to confront their own, your own biases. Read books on the history of racism in your country. Um, and there's a reading list that we'll, um, you can link to in this article. Um, I mean, we kind of, this is one of the things we kind of talked about before around educating right. yourself, building your own knowledge base. Um, and, you know, kind of how we, we've just talked about how, like, there are people that once they get the information... It does seem like, I mean, sometimes I'm just like, how did they not know that? You know? Right. I still get surprised when mm-hmm. I surprise someone with some knowledge. Right? Right. And then I have to take a step back and go like, yeah, they didn't, they didn't have to know. Right? None right. of us were made to know this stuff. Well, none of us were, were, were raised to know these things. Right. You know? So we all have to do our learning in some way and do our own anti-racism work. That is not, it's not, like we always say, it's a journey. Like it's never ending. Um, Do something that no one will ever know. As Lil Wayne said, real G's move in silence like lasagna. This is (laughs) not, I didn't know that was one of his lyrics. Uh, This is never more than true, more true activism. Sometimes real activism requires us to step up and and shout, but far more often it requires us to carry out a simple daily task that no one will ever see. If on reflection, everything you do is public. It's likely you're a performative ally. Challenge yourself yeah. to do things quietly, like changing the things you buy, giving your platform to a BIPOC, or educating yourself in history of racism without telling everyone how educated you are now. The way you know you're really do that way, you know you're really down for the cause and the cause and not the cause of looking like a woke person. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's I. Thank I, goodness I'm never claiming I'm fully woke. I, I think in this. Uh, age of like you said influencers social media um all of this that is uh, there is a lot i think of draw for people to post right and Mm -hmm. i'm at the rally and i've been thinking about that a lot because i'm like you know on one hand you want you want people to know that it's happening right Right. because how many people would know a little how many people would have a rally in lebanon oregon if they didn't know what was happening elsewhere right i mean in the information age that is one of the benefits of we know right like we've talked about before before all of the information age you you wouldn't know there was you know a lynching down in you know wherever you wouldn't know that there was a a beating down at wherever you know it would have just been a blip and right. not reported to the news. And, and we see it even as that police officer where that person that was video recording with one of them old flip phones mm-hmm. as he's seeing yeah. a police officer shoot an African-American man in the back because he's, you know. Yeah. And then he claimed, oh, he was attacking me. Yeah. So we would have never known. We would have known. So there's a benefit in knowing. But I think that the, 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 the alternative side <laughs> is... People, what you, gonna do? you want to tell people, you want to tell everybody you're doing it, right? Like oh, you want to yeah. have the selfie at the, at the March, you want to, you know, do, and, and I've been thinking a lot about that. I'm like, yeah, that, that piece of it. And it, someone, I was listening to a TikToker today and she actually brought up a good point is when we're, when we're taking those pictures and posting them with other people's faces in it, you could be putting other people at risk. 
Right. Because maybe maybe their job, maybe they work for a company that's not going to support them to do these kind of things, right? Right. Maybe they live in an area where they could potentially be targeted, you know? Right. So I think you do have to think about how much do you put on your social media feed of all the stuff you're doing um, because what what is the ramifications of it? And also... Just do it and don't fucking t- don't fucking brag about it. You yeah. know, you don't need to tell people like Jesus. Like, yeah, you can just yeah. do good without telling everybody about it. Yeah. But then but then you wouldn't get the, you know, what, uh, marathon cheater. You know? <laughs> That's why I stand. you don't need to run the marathon, girlfriend. You can just say, hey, I go out there and I support large women that yeah. take their time to run a marathon. Yeah. You know, that in itself would have impressed me. Because yeah. you having to wake up early and, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. So work to not being a performative ally. Um, do your allyship work, but just be mindful of how you do it and how you're showing up in the space and, um, you know, giving up your voice and allowing the voice of the black community right now, I think is important. And that goes for any non-black person. Like now's not the time to tell your story, boo. No, it's not that oppression Olympics. Right. You know? Um, Yep. It's not about uh, Latinos and, you know, and their, their history or, you know, right now is the time for the black voice to have the stage. And if Mm -hmm. they want to pass the mic, they can pass the mic. But, Right. It, now's not the time to grab the mic. Now's not the time to, um, to do all the talking and right. You know, yeah. But that doesn't mean we're not we're, we're going to forget about <clears throat> our missing oh, and indigenous no. women. Hell you know, no. doesn't mean that our focus yeah. is now you know somewhere else. No, no, absolutely. That that's always all lives it's a matter. parallel process, right? It's a right. parallel process. Is that we 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 are we know that this is still happening, and we we you know it's like. Right. It, I mean, we've always said when Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. All right? lives will matter. Like, right. like it's, it's not a separate thing. No. And um, so, do your work. Continue down your journey. Um, welcome to the party. I'm glad you're here. Uh, as much as I joke and I and I trash, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you come to the table. Yeah. To get fed. Glad that you're at our table and that we're able to feed you some knowledge because, I mean, shit, that's that's the least we could do. Yeah. It's the least that, we could do. Yeah. You know? For sure. Um, for sure. So that's it for this week. That's a long one. You know, we'll be back at you next week. And until then, please stay safe. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs> like, yep. uh, stay safe out there, folk. Yeah. So until next time, nos vemos. Adios. Daisy, Daisy, what's your safe word? What's your safe word, Daisy?